in your savings. The third step is simple. Just print out that True Car Savings Certificate and take it to the True Car Certified Dealer for a better, hassle-free car buying experience. Every day, TrueCar.com users receive negotiation-free, guaranteed savings. Save time, save money, and never overpay. Visit TrueCar.com today. That's TrueCar.com. Hello, this is William Easton, your host for a revolutionary new approach to small business success, Richmond Biz Live on WLEE News Talk 990 AM. You can start by checking out our website, RichmondBizLive.com download your program schedule you'll find it in the resources section join us every saturday at 10 o'clock for richmond helping richmond one hour of information techniques and tools that you can use to achieve your dream clear your calendar and join in every saturday at 10 o'clock on wlee news talk 990 for the most important hour in your week good morning richmond what a beautiful day at 308 broad street downtown last day of the month and uh, for everybody who celebrated Memorial Day on the right day, which was yesterday, uh, to all the veterans out there, hey, thanks for your service. Uh, this is Richmond Biz Live, broadcasted uh, every Saturday at 10 o'clock on WLEE News Talk 990. And this is the business talk show that's focused on growing your existing business. And the older, the better. Not because we're necessarily older, but we know how difficult it is once you've got a lot of time and a lot of inertia built up. Uh, it's much easier to start from scratch some days. But you're not going to do that. So what we're here to do is to help you to take it from where it is and where it's been to where it ought to be. And uh, if you think it's about time that your company performed the way it's supposed to and it paid you back for the years of no checks and all the blood, sweat, and tears you installed and all the holidays that you missed, you are in the right spot. Join us on our journey of growing Richmond's economy one company at a time. Call in and be that a company today at 844 249 5483. That's 844-249-5483. Or for those of you in a car, real simple, 844-BIZ-LIVE, B-I-Z-L-I-V-E. Okay, uh, as I said, we're here at the studios of WLE 990 News Talk, and um, what I want to say is that every segment that we do, the whole structure of this uh, program is every topic is covered not only by a business expert, somebody who is making a living in this industry, but also people who are running their own companies. So all the advice that you hear isn't theory. It's how we're running our businesses. And when I get into the featured area of the, at the end of the show at about uh, 10.50 this morning, I'm going to be talking about uh, a new concept we've got called Buy the Book. Okay, so uh, join us every morning at 10, uh, 10.06. Richmond Biz Live is the place where Richmond businesses are helping Richmond businesses. And again, join the show, join the conversation at 844-249-5483 or 844-BIZ-LIVE. This week's focus, we're basically going to be in two areas. One is looking at budgeting and looking at fixed costs. And is there anything we can do to lower fixed costs? And if you're a small company doing business with a big company, you probably know about this because that's what they're doing to you. And then the rest of it is all going to be about fact-based uh, management and operations of the business. Now, each module that we're going to present is 10 minutes in duration, and it's, it's basically like a TED, if you've ever been to a TED, cons uh, uh, a TED um, what, conference. It's Radio TED, and it's our version of it in that what we've got is we've got those experts, 10-minute standalone on a topic, and it's got three areas. One is, first, why is this critical? Why, why should you be paying attention to this subject? Number two, 
as a business owner, what benefit you can you expect from implementing or using the information? And then number three is how do you get it done? And obviously in 10 minutes, we're not going to be able to get everything done on how you get it done. But we have plenty of resources on the website. And of course, as subject matter experts, you can reach out and you can contact them. Okay. And so that takes me to our first segment this morning. And I want to welcome back Linda Heath from Financial Holographics. And we're going to get into the area of small business finance and specifically around budget and cost. Good morning, Linda. Good morning, Bill. You read my mind, and that was a great intro for where I want to take this today um, when you talked about, what was it you said? <laughs> oh, yeah. It, you know, the, the, it, it, the issue is the older businesses. <laughs> That's exactly right. Is it's more difficult because you got inertia. It, right, and inertia builds up. That's ex- we were yeah. on the same wavelength. Um, the last time we talked, we talked about debt and the idea of figuring out, first of all, why isn't my company throwing off enough cash to pay all its own expenses and to grow and so forth. Right. And if you figure out that borrowing does have a rightful place in your operation, then um, it's necessary to match the loan source and the how you're going to use the money and how you're going to pay it back. Excuse me just a second. <coughs> I know that's really bad form in radio, but there you go. We've got a lot of policy well, here. Well, this is what the beauty of live is, whether it's live radio or ri- live TV. <laughs> yeah, this is, is not Memorex. <laughs> this is not Memorex. Well, you know what? Now we've dated ourselves because half the people listening probably don't, don't know what, know what that, that is. Means. Um, so our... We are. Our topic was changing fixed expenses to variable, and I'd really like to take it in the direction of expense control first. I think there's some underlying principles for that. You're the expert. I know. It's an essential executive skill, and in my experience, Bill, it's one that is not really used very well. Um, So I'd like to approach it from the broader point of view of really predicting next year's expenses. Okay. Why is that useful? Why the business owner should learn how to do it or delegate? And actually, that's better. That's what we're trying to teach them, get experts in different fields, know how it's all supposed to fit together and put it together. And so before we talk about changing expenses from one type to another, I think you need a framework to understand, well, how in the world does your workflow, the normal things you do in your business, okay. actually create expense line items? And can these be managed or not? All right. So that sounds like, you know, the traditional conversation around budgeting. Okay. It does. And and um, I also was going to say that my approach is going to fall under the theme of it takes money to make money. Oh, and so absolutely. we're going to talk about both. Yes. And that's such a cliche, but it's so true. So it takes money to make money is based on the idea that you have to start paying for things and investing in activities before you have a business that's actually giving you recurring profit and cash flow. Right. And normally we think of that as a startup. And what I'd like for our listeners to start thinking about is every month is a startup. Every year is a startup. And that's what drove me crazy. When my husband and I owned Science by Tomorrow franchise, I was in sales. And, you know, we just get to the end of the month like we are today. We've paid off this month's fixed expenses. The calendar flips over. It's the first day of another month. And um, I've got to start all over, you know, with sales. Yeah. Those fixed expenses are right back there, and I've got to start all over. And it made me nuts. So so what so what we're talking about here is a well-established business. Um do they have the momentum or the base that they need for each period in order to carry over? It's really what you're saying. Well, in theory, they do. But that's kind of what you touched on when you talked about the inertia of being an established business. Um, meanwhile, as they've grown through the years, fixed expenses, just things that are sort of considered normal now, are um, part of their infrastructure, almost part of the DNA of the business. But it may or may not be adding to the capacity, adding to the productivity, adding to the profitability. So that gets us to where... Budgeting is important. I know it's a bad word. Um, it's a necessary business skill. It's been my experience that it's rarely used in a meaningful way. 
Um, if it's done, then it's really monitored to see what our variances are. A- absolutely. In fact, most of the people out there, I, I suspect their budgeting process is budget by replacement. You may put together a budget for a year or for the quarter or for mm-hmm. the month that I'm going to spend X number of dollars um, to work on my branding. But really what happens is I don't spend that money until I can replace it because somebody else has brought dollars in. And what happens right. is I never take advantage of opportunities. That is perfect. And I've got a real-life case study for you that that is exactly what happened. Um, where they do pick up on variants, they um, rarely use it as an effective process for getting their employees back on track. Okay. And I was uh, – I. Well, I'll tell you, I was meeting with an HR expert, and he was talking about how touchy it is to fire people these days. And he said, you you go to fire somebody who's really performing poorly and damaging the business, and they hand him the file, and they've been getting satisfactory performance appraisals forever. And now you're going to say you're not performing well. So um, the budgeting becomes a tool that can draw right. everybody into your game plan. And I, I suspect that a lot of our listeners say they do performance reviews. There isn't any. I know. We can't even go down that path. We're looking for our HR. Yeah, the, the way to get rid of show. people nowadays is, oh, we're reorganizing, so right. I don't have to deal with the lawsuit. Right. That, that's or exactly. discharge. But, um, you know, the employees are using company resources, and they don't think right. of it that way. And you need professional tools to do that. So here's the story I'd like to tell you. Okay. Business owner. It's a distribution type of business. Um, she was buying the business from family and had been in the business a long time. It was successful. She called me in. We have a process called Biomarkers. It's review the way your bank would review your business. She said, you know, the bank's giving me a little bit of a hard time. Can you come in and show me what's going on? So I'm looking at the financials. Right. And um, I'm saying, oh, yeah, I see, you know, this spot over here. I bet you the bank's giving you a hard time about that. And look at this over here. I think, you know, I can see where they're coming from. We need to figure our way through this. And she said, well, Linda, Mike, you're right. They are giving me a hard time. But my accountant said last year we made too much money. And so he said I needed to go buy a new car. And he said, and she said, I know my margins. I know my industry. Competition is increasing. I'm on my employees all the time to cut costs, save money. I can't show up in the parking lot in a new car. And the point was, with budgeting, um, she would have had a sense of how much they were going to make earlier in the year and might have had the confidence to invest in a better website that could have brought in more revenue. Or um, an operations expert like Andy to come and help us make our systems more efficient so that more drops to the bottom line. Or a strategy expert like Charles Colley. Exactly. On the branding to to stave off competition. Right. Um, So I do think it's realistic to expect these expenses to pay for themselves. Yeah, that's an interesting concept. Yeah, people don't think that that. way. Okay, so here's the deal. We're going to talk about zero-based budgeting. Have you ever heard of that? This is a yes or no question. I did it in the federal government. Oh, yes. Well, I'm taking a class to become a certified management accountant, and my professor and all the people in the class had never even heard of it. No one had ever used it. Why? But in the many years ago, I won't say how many. I was a young banker, and um, <laughs> I was a branch manager. And the bank that year decided to go to zero-based budgeting yep. as opposed to historical. Historical, you sit there and you go, "What did we spend in this category? Yeah. This category is it going to go up or down next year?" Zero-based budgeting, you start with a zero in every line item. You figure out the dollar amount, and then you have to justify why you need that money. You know, there's a guy who won a Nobel uh, Prize in economics on this topic. De- de- defining it. It's a great yeah. concept. Um, but anyway, what, what happened was it was a lot of pain and an- anxiety for the people I worked with because they had mm-hmm. done it the old way for so many years. I was a new banker. It was my first time budgeting. Right. And um, I thought it was a great concept. It's very, it is painful. And it takes more time, and so it's something that companies only do maybe once every three or four years. 
but it, but that's appropriate. You kind of roll along. Well, Matt, imagine fundamentally the concept is because you got money last year doesn't mean you get money this year. Is that every year you got to justify your existence your in revenue. the company? Right. Wow, what a novel concept. So you need to, and that's how you begin to maybe move fixed expenses to variable. It's not that instant transformation, right. but over time you reset the switches. Um, what I've observed is that revenue drops and no one adjusts fixed expenses at the same pace. Oh, they, that, I, I'm, that's exactly what I'm dealing with right now. Yeah, and you mentioned inertia creep, which I thought was kind of yeah. funny because inertia is just sitting there. But um, no one looks at the fixed expenses. They creep up over right. time. They're not like your cost of goods sold where I have to go buy this product to turn around and sell it to right. the customer. I have it, to it, pay it's, this it's true. It's true variable cost. The cost of goods sold is. Yeah, but it's true. Not. Um, so... This is a, an approach to planning. It reverses the traditional budget, resets expectations. Um, the other thing that I want to emphasize that our listeners should be using is their accounting department. When they give them a report, if you, if you put a budget into your accounting system, and almost all of the ones that people use out there um, have a way to put in the budget for the year. And then you can print out monthly reports right. actual to budget. You can begin to, it'll point out your gaps, your variances, your favorable right. and unfavorable. And you can start um, managing earlier in the year where you have time. Okay. Smaller correction. Yeah, it's, it's, it's my Saturday morning gig. Right, but you do it. Right. I'm trying to motivate people. Yeah, because a lot of times it's depressing. It's depressing sometimes. I know. It can be very hard. So let's see. You talked about activity-based, continuous, rolling, flexible, and zero. Those are other options. I wanted to focus on zero because I think that our audience, the companies that are struggling and they've been in business 20 years, may need to go back and reset the switches. That that sounds great. So if they're intrigued by doing that, doing a more professional job of budgeting, uh, and don't know where to get started or how to get started, what what should they do? The logical thing to me is start with your accounting department. Give them a project. Say, have you ever done budgeting in any of your other jobs before? What do you know about it? Put together... Um, a recommendation how we could do budgeting in our company and come back to me. We'll sit down in two weeks, talk to their CPA, and then they can reach reach out to me, Linda Heath, at Financial Holographics, 804-674-1800, and um, I'll see what I can do to help them. Okay, great. And besides, just go to our webpage, right. uh, richmondbizlive.com, go to the resources section, and you can find Linda there, and just it's a hot link. Just click it, and you'll be at the website. So thanks. Thank you. Good, good seeing you. Good seeing you again. Uh, Too bad it's going to be another two weeks before we get to work on the next one. And uh, with that, we'll be back. Hello, I'm Linda Heath, President of Financial Holographics and your Chief Business Analyst. Our accounting and finance experts solve business mysteries for CEOs. 80% of private companies are struggling. Only 5% have it made. Where are you? Join me Saturday mornings at Richmond Biz Live for live answers to your nagging questions. Sponsored by Financial Holographics, where you don't have to know what to ask for to get what you need. Hi, my name is Eric McCalma, CEO of the Firestarter Group. With over 75 years of collective experience, our team of experts works relentlessly to uncover your organization's unique identity, focusing on the most effective means of communicating your brand. We believe successful branding establishes an emotional connection between an organization and its target audiences. The days of old business models are over. It's time to rethink your business. Welcome to Firestarter. Visit us at firestartergroup.com or richmondbizlive.com and take our complimentary 30-second brand audit to gauge where your brand is at today. 
And we're back. This is Richmond Biz Live at 844-249-5483. That's 844-249-5483 or 844-BIZ-LIVE, B-I-Z-L-I-V-E. And we're back with Charles Colley from the Firestarter Group. And Charles is here. He's representing our, our ongoing discussions around branded strategy. Um, and uh, specifically, we're looking at strategy based on facts. And so, Charles, tell me, what do we uh, talk about the 10 minutes today? Well, before I go to strategy by facts, well, I guess it is strategy by facts. I'd like to go back to zero-based budgeting. I love zero-based budgeting because it makes you think in terms of the why. And to me, the why has to be based on something, right, mm-hmm. which is the strategy. Um, so I go back. I developed a, a process a number of years ago. I call it plan, prepare, perform. And it basically has three stages of preparation but they come at different points in the in the planning process. The first is prepare in assessing what your business is. Right. Um, you know, look at uh, what we call it a total business review. You look at your brand. You look at your purpose. You look at your processes. Uh, involved in that is your, both your operations and your financial side. Uh, you look at your people, your culture, the positions they fill, the things that they do. And uh, you look at the promotion, your marketing, your sales, uh, those sorts of things. And in doing that, you get a kind of a baseline of what I call the clay by which you're going to mold the business. Right. Then you take it into planning. And planning, most people don't like it anymore, but planning is a top-down process. So once you've got the clay, you have to have the people at right. the top to define what that plan is, that strategy, uh, and then the planning that comes after it and getting it operational. Um, but after that, most people don't do the second stage of preparation, which is hey, let's look again and say, what processes do we need to put in place? You know, what are the people that we need and don't need? Uh, what type of promotions do we need to be doing? You know, a lot of times once the strategy and the plan is, is created, it goes on the shelf and we go back to doing what we always did. Right. And I'm going to use that as a transition okay. into my subject today because I believe that most companies say they do strategy and planning, but then they live off of the intuition and gut. Uh, like 99% of yeah. all entrepreneurs, yeah. it's all intuition. And I tell people who are living off of intuition and gut that, you know, you might as well get you a, a set of dice, and every time you have a decision to make, just roll them and see How about one of those balls? You remember those? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah the they, eight ball, you shake yeah, it you up. Yeah, you shake it yeah, up, and yeah, it goes, yes, great. no, maybe. Yeah, you have just as good a shot, usually. All right. Um, but uh, you need the facts. Yeah, it, intuition is great. I mean, I, I have intuition, you have intuition. We all have this kind of gut feel for things. And sometimes it is amazing. We get insights that we just don't know where they came from. But it works a lot better if you can look and say, is this actually true or not? And that's where you need to go get your facts. Well, typically the intuition is the ability to take diverse facts and draw a conclusion that isn't obvious. But it's fact-based. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, I've tried to sell myself as a consultant because that's what I do. I, I come up with an interpretation of the facts that... Most people don't see it that way. I have a, yeah. maybe a different perspective on them. But, you know, what I find is I guess our society is so quick-paced now that impulsivity is everywhere. Uh, it's right. kind of the ADHD of business. Uh, and <laughs> I find that, uh, that, that we're working so much in our businesses that we just don't believe we have time to work on it. But research, the facts, the facts. show that if you work on your business – as much as you work in it or more, you're going to grow. It 
you're going to grow. The owner has got to be thinking about the future, and somebody in the organization has got to be running today. Exactly. That, that's the essence of it. Exactly. So in the business, you're going to be more reactive and impulsive. On the business, you're going to have to think through things. Uh, get the facts. Understand your brand that drives your strategy. Then decide on what your strategy is, and that will guide your decision-making so that you make better decisions throughout your organization. Right. Now, if you can get that decision-making uh, at every level based on the same strategy, just understanding their role within it, that's when the few things come out of it. Uh, what you get are confidence. You know, People aren't wondering mm-hmm. if they're doing the right things. They that's know. right. Uh, consistency, which is, to me, that's the key to success. If you can be consistent in your decision-making and not have those uh, conflicts within your organization, uh, you're going to find yourself removing a, at least 50% of your issues. Uh, the other is unity. Uh, consistency and unity sound about the same, but unity is more of an emotional thing as well, is that we all feel like we're together in this. Right. And we're going the same direction, and not there's not as much backbiting and complaining about, oh, that boss doesn't understand what he's talking about. Because we're unified, we believe the same things, and we're moving in the right direction. The last thing, of course, is what I've just been talking about, results. Right. Uh, you know, you'll grow. You'll you'll have those uh, metrics set at the beginning because you did the planning, and you'll be able to measure it and see your growth, and then understand if you're not growing, what to do about it. So, the facts are are great. The other thing that uh, you see quite often is we may do all the planning, we may have the strategy, but we procrastinate in actually taking action. Uh, I think you're seeing that somewhat in what you're doing with the business well, you've been with. Yeah, yeah, and I just want to say to, to all the business owners and executives out there, this the worst combination uh, in business is impulsive decisions and procrastination and implementation. It is death. You take as much time as you need to make the decision or as much time as you have based upon the facts, and then when you make the decision, you execute immediately yep. and create a sense of urgency with the execution. And yeah. Uh, with uh, going right along with that, I, I see that you know a lot of times the reason they procrastinate is because they don't have any facts, and without any facts, any decision is a good decision. So you got too many choices, and you can't decide what to do. Or you're not comfortable that it is a good decision because right. you know that you didn't have any facts. Right, you're not sure. So what I say is, you need to define your purpose, your brand, your mission, your vision, your values. Set your goals. Understand your target markets. You know who they are and why they do what they do, um, and then. Make sure that you've got the right business model, the right organizational structure, the right products and services, the right offering, and find out this is big. Make sure you know who's going to be responsible for what and then when you want it to actually get done. Right. If you can agree as a team what we're going to do and when we're going to do it, a lot of times execution works a whole lot better. Um, the, you know, What I find quite often, though, is that because this seems so daunting to the small business owner, mm-hmm that they wait. They, they say, oh, I just don't have time to do that, and they wait until the pressure is so great, then they make a decision. Right. And that goes right back to the beginning. Then they're making the impulsive decisions again, and right. it's, it's just making it a, a mess. So I guess that, in a, in a nutshell, is, is really what I wanted to say today about fact-based decision-making. Uh, the big thing is we believe in having a total business review as the beginning point. Okay, great. Well, this is a good place to stop for a second. We got a caller, and so let me see. Richmond Biz Live, can I help you? 
Oh. Yes, Nancy. I'm trying to. Oh, it's not on the... You can't pick up the phone. All right, I'm going to put it down. Can I hit the button again? Oh, you hung up on it. Strategy. Uh-oh. All right. Okay. Can you hear me now? I can hear you now. That was my mistake. Would you, would you please go through that again? I was having an operator error moment. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so my question is, the listening about working in the on the business versus just in the business. Mm-hmm. Totally relate... But how much percentage of time as a business owner should I be devoting to strategy and strategy development? Because the thing is, and I guess the other sex is how often, because the market keeps changing. So give me a little bit of parameters here. It would help. Well, if you don't mind, I'd like to tell you a story. Um, years ago, I worked with a very small Hispanic advertising agency in Chicago. And they were struggling because the owner was doing most of the work and the people around him were just his entourage helping him uh, execute. So he was struggling. He was running as hard as he could. Now, if you looked from the outside, he was a successful business. He had plenty of clients. He had things going on. But he was struggling because he was dying on the vine. He was he was just making decisions left and right and at the end of the month then going and saying, hey, did I make any money? instead of planning ahead and kind of knowing where he was and what he was doing and forecasting cash flow and figuring out what he could do to grow his business over time. So in working with him, I helped him put this plan, prepare, perform process into place where he assessed the business, he did the planning, he prepared the business to fulfill the plan. The piece I didn't get to was perform before, where the perform piece is we look at every role and see how that role works in taking us towards our fulfillment of our plan. And then he worked more as a coach in that regard to help his people get there. And then you take the metrics you had put together in the plan stage, and you, at the end of that process of perform, you look and say, where are we? Did we do okay? Why did we do okay? Why did we not? And then you adjust your strategy. So you kind of take it full circle back to assess again, plan, perform, I mean, plan, prepare, perform, plan, prepare, perform. And what he did is the first time to go through that process, and I will tell you, it was very painful. It took him about almost a year to go through it. The second time, he did it in about seven to eight months. The third time, he did it in about four months. And today, he does it, now this sounds crazy, he does it every month. Now, let's talk about what happened to the business. It went from 12 employees running like crazy in a little office in Chicago He now owns his own building on Michigan Avenue, and he has offices in 14 countries. And he says the number one thing he does, his job, is to make sure that he knows that cycle, that he's working on that cycle, and he's he's made it an art form, and uh, it's it's the wheel that turns to grow his business. He's been an advisor to two presidents as well. So what what I'll add to uh, to uh, Charles's comment is this is that uh, currently I'm in that situation where I'm the number two in a manufacturing facility in southwest Virginia. And part of the reason for that is to take over the, uh, take over the, um, the working in the business uh, piece of that. And what we're shooting for is 50-50 for him. 50% of his time is going to be on the business. 50% is going to be in the business. And, and myself in that role of the guy, who, the number two, is running the operation. 
I'm going to be about 75-25, 75% in the business. So those are just some rough numbers that we're going by right now, and we're going to, we're going to look at our ability to meet those uh, time demands. So uh, Nancy in Richmond, does that, did that uh, did we give you a good answer? Yeah, that's very helpful. Thanks so much. Appreciate it. Okay. Great, Nancy. Glad right. to be here. Thanks. Thank you for the call. So, Aunt Charles, how do they get a hold of you? Well, uh, a couple different ways. Uh, they can call me on my phone. It's 804-393-2545. Or they can reach me at charles at firestartergroup.com or at our website, firestartergroup.com, or on the richmondbizlive.com richmondbizlive.com resources, and you'll see Charles there, and you just click the button. Charles, thanks a lot. Good seeing you again, my friend. Good to see you. Okay. Take care. And what was interesting as uh, we're getting ready here from Mike Carroll and talking about marketing and sales side of this is the uh, Charles and um, uh, Charles anticipated where I'm going to be going here on my segment on owners as executive as I talk about the issue of metrics and how to get people together and on the same page because I really think that you can make a turnaround inside of a company with only a couple of things. There's not, it, you can make it complicated or you can make it simple. And so with that, I'm going to come back to that in about 10 minutes. So I'd like to welcome back to the show, marketing and sales segment from Mike Carroll. Mike, good to see you, my friend. Thank you, Bill. Always excited to be here. I know uh, Charles' topic there, y'all finishing up on working on the business and not in the business, don't, don't uh, most all of us deal with that. Well, that's right. And in fact, in fact, I think you've been lucky having uh, Patrick more and more involved in the business is allowing you to kind of take that long-term perspective. Sure, absolutely. Yeah. And that's my really one of my reasons to be affiliated with uh, Sandler Training is simply they give us lots of the tools, they give us the marketing and so forth. But, I, you know, our topic today, uh, we're back on understanding our customer. That's right. Uh, I think uh, on the program page it was uh, understand how your offering is used. Which is a fact. It's fact-based, right? Absolutely. Well, but but today's economy has kind of challenged that. No longer, uh, it's not good enough to just know how your offering is used. We've got to go further into how we really are impacting that customer. And And that is true. That's both for a business customer and for a uh, selling commercially into the public. But let's let's take it from the business perspective right now. Sure. I think the key there is uh, we talked you know, earlier on, identifying the sweet spot customer. Right. And we talked about we need to know the persona of that customer. What are their buying patterns? What are their behaviors? You know, what's, what really, you know, how do they best, uh, or how, what do they feel is the best way for them to order the product? Do they walk in the store? Do they do it over the internet? So we talked about all those things. And I know in, in our conversations in the past, we really now are saying, okay, we got to know how the product's used. Because good, you know, that's good, but good ain't good enough anymore. That's right. In today's economy. Yeah. And there's lots of reasons we could talk a long time on that as to why uh, do we need to know it's used. But now let's look at how we really are impacting that business uh, with our offering. And you had mentioned in a discussion we had about the financial. You know, are we matching up? That's and right. And I really like that simply because... Lots of times it's not exactly about the product, but it's how we may be affecting their business in their procurement of the product, mm-hmm. their receiving of the product. Um, of course, yeah, we got to help them with the application, 
you know, the use, but then also how do they pay for the product? So lots of variables, and today the customers demand that. The expectations are just much, much higher. That, that's right. The customers are demanding things mm-hmm. of us that were not demanded 10 years ago. Exactly. Because of the pressures they're under. Exactly. And, and the information is there, you know, now through the Internet and all the sources, all the mm-hmm. content that's out there. And, you know, I did a little research, and um, one, of the, one of the findings was 80% of the customers leaving previous suppliers rated those pliers, suppliers as good. Wow. It's good. So their expectations are is, hey, our suppliers, and, I mean, you can take this into the retail arena as well. I mean, you mm-hmm. you look at how retailers, and I like looking at retailers because it's very competitive. It is. I mean, you mentioned Sheets and YY and what they're doing and how they're streamlining. Yeah. But they're constantly focusing on how can we better serve that customer. And it may not necessarily be directed at a specific product. I mean, right. But, but, but it's a way of looking at a trend mm-hmm. to say, is that impacting us? Is that impacting our customers? Because many times the trends in the marketplace that are the most dangerous are the ones that don't impact us, but impact our customers and we don't see them. Right. And I think, you know, here's a term that has been out there a while, but I do believe companies, every company, small to the largest, have to develop and create a customer driven culture. And when I say that, uh, you know, there was a study done, uh, I think it was a, it was a Harvard study, that uh, the driving force in companies, that if that driving force, uh, the further it, it is away from the customer, the less chance they have of long-term sustainability. Right. Now, co- people, I mean, companies are realizing that we have to, anybody that's f- spending face time or interacting with customers needs to understand needs to understand yeah. what we really are doing for that customer you know and and of course now my focus is around the sales function and really your sales sales team mm-hmm. is the front line to all of that yeah and i mean there's a number of studies of what you know companies or what customers are expecting uh, you know from salespeople. customers today want to focus on the things that they're good at Things that make them successful. Right. They expect salespeople today, professional salespeople today, uh, to not only make sure that whatever the offering is gets there, gets there when it's supposed to be, does what it's supposed to do. They're always they're also expecting salespeople to come in and create ideas and processes and maybe even introduce a product. You know, back in the old days, we used to supply life of Virginia. For the for right. the old for Richmond folks, yeah, um, we supplied them a lot of magnetic media, the old discettes and stuff. Right. All of a sudden, they come to us and say, "Hey, you know what? We are mass copying these things." All of a sudden, um, we got into the mass copying business. Duplication of mm-hmm. discettes for them. Right. We took that to Reynolds Metals to Philip Moore. So my point, and and you mentioned what are some of the benefits, and you and I were talking about this, is. When you focus on that sweet spot customer, you want to be so ingrained that you do understand every aspect of their business. And you're, and I, I said this when we talked about market trends last week, uh, show before, right. that 
I think that companies really need to put on their calendar when they have their staff meetings at least once a month, and the salespeople need, they should be primarily held responsible. Hey, what kind of trends are we seeing? What, how can we be creative in assisting their customers in their business? How can we make them take, how can we take costs out of their business? And then that goes back to what you mentioned this before um, we were talking, is it gives you the ability, price doesn't become the issue anymore. Mm -hmm. No, it doesn't because they're seeing so much value unless, of course, they just don't have any money, which is a different proposition. Absolutely. Absolutely. But, you know, the, you know, I think one of the things that you always, and I worked, um, pretty diligently with my clients about getting them, you know, to think outside the box of ways that they can go in and assist their customers. And that's, that's why, again, we don't need to only be focusing on B2B, but even if you look into the retail arena, the companies that are, that are continually trying to figure ways, I mean, look what UPS did. You don't have to be at home to get a package. You don't. I mean, you can call and get it delivered to where it's yeah. incredible. They can tell you if, if it's where it is on Broad Street. Yeah, or you can get online. You don't even need to call them. Think about how they've made you kind of go. Hey, right. I can handle this. I don't even need them for help. But I think that you know we talk about the benefits, and it to me it's an absolute uh, necessity today to go beyond the use. We need to know how we are impacting that client, and then you go from. You know, because you're you're working uh, to maintain um, customer loyalty, right? And you know that was one of the things that in the study that um, the the that I was reading that you know the folks that say that they've got um, above and beyond type of salespeople from their suppliers are about fifty percent more loyal, and that's. And that goes back to uh, when you look at your sweet spot customers, and that's why you want to be focusing. But at the same time, you know, as you it helps you penetrate those customers. Right. More penetration, more loyalty. They depend right. on you more, right? And then from that, you can take it to adjacent markets. So yeah. you that is another way to grow your business. Just like your example with the one customer drove you to come up with a different method, uh, a new service around storage, right. which then you could sell to similar types of customers who you did not have in your customer base at that time. And to go back on a previous show, we talked about executive involvement. And right. I think a, a question that you really want to ask yourself, it, you know, do we have a customer-driven culture in our company? Uh, I, I absolutely agree. And, in fact, everything we've been doing on the show is about that because the whole process, like with Andy on Lean, it's all customer-driven. It's a quality program that is not an internal quality program. It's an outside-in quality program. Right. And, and, again, I think that lots of that responsibility, you have to train your salespeople to know how to communicate to the customer and prospective customers in a way that that customer says, wow, they know, what I'm, they know where my issues are. They're, right. really, they're, they're, they're involved with me. That's what you want. Uh, Mike, I got a thought I want you to comment on here uh, as we close out the segment, and that is, Kind of where I've got to over the last year is I found that there's there's only three things now that matter to the clients I work with. One is what's the impact we're having on money, whether right. it's cash flow, etc. Number two is what impact we're having on productivity, sure, and what impact are we having on cost. Right. And those seem to be the three things 
that if I want to understand how my offer, how what I sell them is really impacting the firm, I want to look at those three. Your thoughts? Exactly. I think that's where the opportunities are for companies that are going to be leading market leaders. They're going to be able to go in and look at how can I help that that customer take costs out, increase profitability, and I learned a lot of that from big companies mm-hmm. uh, because they're good at that. Oh, they're very good at that. And, and that's um, so. No, I totally agree with you. It's how can we help them take costs out? How can we show them uh, maybe to use our products or services in different ways to help them increase their top line? So it depends on the type of business you're in. But no, I totally agree with you, uh, Mike. If they if they if somebody want on the show wants to get get more on this on how you can help their sales force have better business acumen, be smarter, and be really the field intelligence for the company. How to get a hold of you? Sure. Of course, on RichmondBizLive.com, uh, and then Focus, F-O-C-U-S, uh, business, one word, dot Sandler, S-A-N-D-L-E-R.com. So it's FocusBusiness.Sandler.com. And uh, we're in the phone book, Sandler Training. Okay. Uh, and so... Any okay. questions, uh, I could be more than happy to share the information I have. All right. Thanks, Mike. Good seeing you Thank again, you. my friend. Thank and you. we'll be back. Hi, Mike Carroll of Sandler Training here in Richmond. Do you know the three most commonly made sales mistakes? Are you or your salespeople at fault? Visit focusbusiness.sandler.com to download your free report, the three biggest sales mistakes you should never make. In this report, discover these unproductive sales strategies and what to do about them. Finally, take the pressure out of selling and reach your desired sales result. Visit focusbusiness.sandler.com to download your copy now. Hello, this is William Eastman, your host for Richmond Biz Live on WLE 990 AM. You know, when I prepare for my segment, Owner as Executive, I am acutely aware that this is the number one obstacle to business growth. So, why don't you make an appointment with me every Saturday at 10 o'clock to help you grow with your business? It will be the best 10 minutes of your week. We are back here at uh, WLEE News Talk 990 AM. The show is Richmond Biz Live, the number... 844-249-5483. That's 844-249-5483 or 844.bizlive. Okay, last segment of today, and I'm going to use that, and I'm going to roll right into the featured area. We're not going to have a featured guest. we got a featured topic, one that I think you're going to, you're going to want to participate with. Owner is executive. So where have we been on this? Because as, as I've talked about it in the other shows, um, I'm doing owners executive one week, and I'm doing HR people in the other, and I'm kind of making them different sides of the same issue. So in the last sessions, owners executive two weeks ago, we talked about vision, focus, and embodiment. How do you how do you create that vision, that compelling vision that's pulling people in the right direction? And in the last session around people, we talked about the issue of rewards and recognition. And so, how do I use that to get the people heading roughly in the right direction? Today, I want to kind of close that with talking about sharing business information and making my expectations written so that it has some power or currency within the firm, okay? So why? Why is that critical? Well, first of all is that uh, a vision is 
is a thought. It's a dream. It's an idea. It, it doesn't exist in reality. And somehow what I've got to do is I've got to take this and make something real out of it. That's why I've always thought that being an entrepreneur and being in business to some degree is an art. Just, you know, we don't paint, we don't scope, we don't make music, but we take something, a concept, and we make it real. Well, if I'm not, if I'm not going to share business information and hold people accountable for it, there's no way I can take that dream and turn it into reality. The, the second why is, and I've talked about this in several segments, is people need line of sight. And they need line of sight in terms of how, how does their behavior affect where the company is headed, okay? The great game of business is a lot of fun for those of us in leadership or, or as owners. Uh, the problem is nobody else is in the game. How do I get people in the company in the game of business so they're having the same level of enjoyment that I, I'm getting from this? There's nothing like winning to make your day. And then number three is I want to make a few things in the organization critical because people have um, a lot of discretionary time. And what I mean by discretionary time is unless I'm supervising them every moment of every day, they have the opportunity to make decisions about where they put their energy and time. I want to make sure that when they're in doubt, they know the two or three things that they absolutely must be doing. Okay. Now, the benefit to that, and I'm going to go through that quickly because I want to focus on the how-to, is one is the benefit is I make my agenda as the owner of the company a reality. This is what I want. This is what's going to happen. And if you're going to work here, you're going to pull your weight and you're going to head in that direction. Number two is that I want to eliminate what happens as a company grows in terms of personnel is you've got a lot of division and subtraction, not addition and multiplication. In other words, in a lot of organizations, people are successful in spite of the company, not because of it. I want to change all of that, and I can very simply do that, that when I put people together, I'm either getting an addition factor, 1 plus 1 equals 2, or I'm getting a multiplication factor where 2 plus 2 equals 22 or two times two equals 22, okay? And then the other thing is that if you want to achieve teamwork in the organization, what a lot of people will do is they'll talk about the touchy-feely stuff about making people feel happy and feeling good and they're working here and they'll have kumbaya. Uh, yeah, you can do that if you want to. I don't have time for it. Uh, what I'm going to focus in on is to get everybody pulling on the same uh, sheet of music, doing the same thing. I'll build some teamwork there. All right, so now, how do I do this? Well, I came up with, I came up with four things that you could do today, and of course, they'll be on the website, and uh, I've got a great offer coming up, so I'm also going to talk about that. So the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to change the nature of meetings. Now, I can't tell you to have more meetings or less meetings. Here's what I'm going to say to you, is there are several core meetings that must happen monthly, weekly, and daily. Make sure those meetings happen. And the other meetings, maybe you can get rid of them. Maybe you can do something else. So, but the issue is, if you're going to bring people together, what are you really going to meet about? Now, to me, the, the deal here, and let me work from the top down, is that at the owner's level, whoever the direct reports of the owner are, they must meet once a week. And what do they meet on? They meet on the performance objectives of the particular areas that they're responsible for. And that each one of those individuals, if the organization has got another layer of management, every one of them meet weekly with their people for the same thing because this is roll-up. I can guarantee you when you come to my staff meeting, I'm going to be asking you about three things, as uh, Mike and I talked about. What impact are you having on cash flow? What impact are you having on productivity? What impact are you having on cost? And the bad answer, the worst answer, is when you don't have one. 
I can live with a bad answer because then I can say, okay, what are we going to do about that? And then you and I problem solve. Maybe we do in the meeting. Maybe we take it offline. But the deal here is I'm going to have the type of meetings around the core issues in the business. And what happens is that people know if they're going to go to a meeting and they know exactly what's going to get discussed and it's going to be around the core issues of the business, you can guarantee two things. One, they're going to do their homework. And two, they're going to, they're going to do something about it because nobody's going to walk in and go, oh, I didn't do anything about it this week. That's not going to be a very good occurrence. Okay? Number two is pick bogeys. Bogeys meaning what are the core issues and metrics that I need for the organization. Now, let me take the core issue. I talked about them. I think if you look at your any business, you can basically say cash flow, pro- productivity, and cost are the three key bogeys. Now, maybe what you could do is you could add um, where we stand on customer satisfaction if you're collecting that data. So maybe there's a fourth. But to me, those are the bogeys. How do, my, how do I affect cash flow? Now, not everybody that I talk to is going to affect all three or four. Some people in there are only going to affect one, some are going to affect two, and that, that's a dialogue back and forth. But, the, but I will guarantee you that if we have a meeting on that topic every week, you're going to do something about it. Number three is to get the right metric. And what's critical here, one is that the metric is accurate, but more important than accuracy here is that I can begin to create a trend line on this so we can take a look at where we're pushing it because today's metric is not as critical as what that metric looks like over the space of time. So if we meet weekly, what does it look like over the month? If we meet bi-monthly, then what does it look like, say, over two months? If we meet monthly, then what does it look like over three months? But I'm concerned about the trend line, okay? Uh, the more critical, then the more frequent I, I we need to meet, okay? And if they know that every time we get together, my dialogue is going to be on those two, three, or four issues. I will guarantee you, you will get progress moving in the right direction. And a lot of things that, that Linda talked about and a lot of things that Charles talked about are going to happen. And so that's your how-to. Now, of course, you can go to the website, richmondbizlive.com. In the resource section, I'm going to have this uh, expanded out a little bit more. But let me pick up on where I, wanted, where I want to kind of leave you here today as we have a couple minutes together. And that is... We've been working on a book here, and we're taking all the information that we've been doing on the show, and we're working on a book, and we've decided, at least initially, we're going to call it Buy the Book. And you put your the name of your company in front of that, but Buy the Book is not about a book that you read and you think about and you kind of contemplate, you know, one of those, the, the, the typical books out there that you would get, either a download on Kindle or, or um, you know, or Nook or whatever you use. Uh, this is a book on implementation. How do I take it and take the information that's been on the show and how do I apply that? So first of all, we're going to give you a personalized version of that. In other words, it's going to have your name. It's going to be about your company, which will also give you the ability to circulate it throughout your company to say this is how we do it. And what are we going to do as part of that book? We're going to show you how to look at your financials, how to review your financials so that you have a good sense of where you are especially focused in on the areas of cash flow, cash on hand, and budgeting. Then we're going to have a section on brand and strategy where you can review where you stand on brand and strategy. And as Charles talked about today, in his particular approach, are we, are we planning correctly, are we preparing, and are we executing or implementing that? We're going to have a, another section on marketing and sales, taking everything that Mike has talked about over the last uh, nine shows that, that – that we've done, or five shows that Mike's done over the last nine weeks, and we're going to be talking about 
how to get your sales force to the point where they are the smartest people in the company. They're smarter than the competition. They're smarter than the customers. And what they're doing is they're out there and they're your field intelligence and they're collecting data on how well your offer is changing the business proposition of your customers. And then we're going to get into where Andy has been going on this issue of lean manufacturing. And we're going to be talking about the area, how do I look at my business and come up with a strategy for execution? How do I put the processes in place based upon the principles of lean to where we are executing on what we promised to execute on? We're executing on where our opportunities are. And then finally, there'll be a step-by-step on the issue of implementation and the use of metrics. The way to look at it is three things. The right meetings with the right metrics and then the right reward structure is going to get that done. And here's going to be our deal, which is going to be on the website. If you're one of the first 100 companies that participate in this, and all you got to do is go to richmondbizlive.com and go to the contacts, contacts page, you'll see a form there, is to say, just say, I want to participate. The first 100 companies, we're going to personalize it for you and give you the ability to distribute throughout your company. And so... That's where we stand today. It's time to pull it together. Uh, Our focus is going to be over the next couple of weeks is going to be on implementation. So I would heartily recommend to you, go to our website, richmondbizlive.com. Hit the contact page. You can say, I want to participate. I want the book. Buy the book. I'm in. Put it in the comments section. You'll hear from me, and we'll make that happen. So to all our listeners, to all the, the great business people in the city of Richmond, um, look forward to a great business week wealth and prosperity as you spend your Saturday on the things that matter to you Take us along for the ride. It's Lifestyle Talk Radio on News Talk 990, WLEE Richmond. Hello, this is William Easton, your host for a revolutionary new approach to small business success, Richmond Biz Live on WLEE News Talk 990 AM. You can start by checking out our website, richmondbizlive.com, and download your program schedule. You'll find it in the resources section. Join us every Saturday at 10 o'clock for Richmond Helping Richmond. One hour of information, techniques, and tools that you can use to achieve your dream. Clear your calendar and join in every Saturday at 10 o'clock on WLE News Talk 990 for the most important hour in your week. CBS News, I'm Pam Coulter. An insider trading investigation has linked some well-known names in the business, golf, and gambling world. CBS's Marley Hall. 